And as they find their way, you can pull out your YouVersion Bible app. You can pull out your Bible. You can follow along behind us as we read through Genesis chapter 3. As you saw on the Wednesday update, uh, if you'd like to receive that, by the way, fill out one of our Connect cards and drop it in the blue mailbox in the back. On the Wednesday update, I informed you we are going to look at this fall, understanding that there is a call to confession here. There is a call for us to be real with ourselves and to understand and know that we live in a world of sin, but that we don't stay hopeless. We have a Savior. We have Jesus Christ. We have this understanding that it doesn't always be like this. But until then, we still exist in this time, living in this world of sin. Genesis chapter 3 lays that out for us. Prior to our passage, you saw or you would have seen that there was a command, that there was a disobedience, that there was a time where Adam and Eve simply went the other way. And there's a reality to that. There's, there's ripple effects to that. And that's what we are going to spend some time on. That's what we're going to look at. If you'd like to follow along with our outline, that is straight in the back uh, on the, the list of papers there. You can go and grab one of those. It looks like a few uh, scribblings on a sheet, and I'll explain that just a little bit as we get that far too. But with all that being said, let's hear the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 24. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Thanks be to God for his holy an inspired word. Will you join me in the time of prayer?
What do you have for us this morning? What are you calling us to, God? I really believe that your scripture is living and active. I believe that there is something important for each heart here. It's not by chance. It's not random that we're reading this passage together. It's not random that we're hearing your gospel message. God, maybe for the first time, we need to hear it. Maybe for the first time, it needs to soak in. Maybe it needs to be reminded. Maybe we've heard your name over and over again. Maybe we've heard the word confession. We've heard the word sin. Maybe that's all head knowledge. God, maybe there's a reminder in this. Whether it's new, whether it's a recap, whether it's something that we haven't seen, that we haven't thought of before, something that we've heard of so many times, whatever it is, may you do it. Not me, not us, not living water, not our own power, you. God, may you be presented very, very clearly this morning. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. For you are my rock and you are my redeemer. In your holy name we pray. Amen. There's a outline in the back there and I want to use that as our launching pad here. I want to use it in this way. Sue is out uh, doing little treasures right now because I was really going to throw her under the bus. Um, do it anyways. If she's not here, then I'm okay, right? So uh, Sue was our children's education director, and we had a couple of college fairs over the past couple of weeks, and the reason I bring her up is because uh, the cliches of type A personality are very true, right? Her whole family is nodding. Absolutely. List, point one, point two, point three. She was really getting upset with me because as we were going to the college fairs, my MO, just throw a bunch of stuff in the back of the truck. We're probably going to need it. Maybe it's a pen. Maybe it's duct tape. Maybe it's a dry erase board. I don't know. We're probably going to need it. Let's just throw it in the back. And she wanted to see a list of exactly what we need. She wanted to see a list of exactly what's going to be used and what's not going to be used. And in that same way, she's the one that you all have to thank for outlines lately. It was a big suggestion of hers, and I think a lot of people have really gravitated towards it, where I at least put point one, point two, and kind of run through these outlines until you get to a week like today, and it fits somehow into the purpose of the sermon, then I get to be me just a little bit more. Because if you look at that outline, you're probably going to say, if you're a person like Sue, if you're a person who likes ordered, you're probably going to say, oh no. There's a bunch of random scratchings. There's a little bit of a point one over here, point two over there. You're probably feeling a little bit of anxiety. Let me calm you down and say it's only one week. All you have to do is follow me on this rambling for one week. And I'm also going to calm you down and say it fits into the sermon. How does it fit into the sermon? Because sin messes up perfection. It messes up order. It messes up the way that God had created things. Remember last week, we went through all of these 
understandings about the creation of what we see. We went through the creation and we heard it was good. We heard God being pleased with what he had created. We heard God being pleased with mankind. We heard God say, this, this is right. In fact, if we use a little bit of chapter 3 even, then you remember this phrase of him walking in the garden. Of him walking with Adam and Eve and coming out for a, a midday stroll in the cool of the day. That was good. That was perfect. That was the garden. So now follow me on this. It's not that way anymore. It's not that way because of what happened just a couple verses in to chapter 3. It's not that way because Adam and Eve took it upon themselves to have a different plan. And this is where I get really excited, and this is where half of you tune out, because I get to reference another movie, because I get to talk about this analogy that I've used all the time in catechism class when we used to do that, in all of these times where we used to teach the basics of our faith, the understanding of what sin does, and I think it's summarized in one of the most theological movies you could ever see, Back to the Future. Absolutely. As Doc Brown is explaining this whole weird timeline thing to Marty, I believe it's actually Back to the Future 2, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, those who want to really be uh, note takers about it. Back to the Future 2, uh, bad things have happened with their current timeline, and Doc is trying to explain it to Marty, and he draws a line. And he says, this is a timeline. This is the way that we uh, had existed before. This is what we were living in. This is what we understood. But somewhere along the timeline, Biff, he's the bad guy, he took the sports almanac and he created an alternate timeline. And so Marty was saying, well, why don't we just go forward to the future and why don't we catch out whatever, Mar or whatever, Doc was, uh, whatever Biff was doing? Why don't we correct things by doing that? And he says, no, actually, you can't go any further here because you're just going to keep on this timeline. So what you have to do is go back to that point and start over. And follow me on the theology here. Follow me on what we have existed in or what we now exist in. Follow me in the way of saying this. In the words of one theologian, Cornelius Plantinga, it's not supposed to be this way. This first line, this big line up here, that's what God had created. That's perfection. That's walking in the garden. That's seeing him in the cool of day. That's being with him with nothing standing in our way. Remember, we've talked about it this way. If I put all kinds of things in front of me, if I put a row of chairs, if I put these pallets here, there's something in the way of you and I. And this is the reality of what sin has done. It has put things in the way of our relationship. It has blocked a perfect relationship with God. It has made it so that there are hindrances. It has made it so that we cannot see him perfectly, as the Apostle Paul says. Step one, admit it. Understand that sin is a reality. Understand that we exist in this reality and that this will continue to be an uphill battle. We continue to live in this world of sin. We continue to live on this 
other timeline that we didn't want to be in. But we're here. We're living in this world of sin. And until he comes back again, this is what we have. This is the reality. To go to a second point, I wanted to jump back actually. A little bit before our passage, a little bit before what we had read, this is actually going to be start of an activity. Uh, if you pulled in, you noticed that there were tables out front here. Uh, you notice that there was a bonfire pit set up. And before um, you get too anxious about having to get up and move, I'll put all of those anxieties to rest. Yes, you're going to have to get up and move. Uh, you're going to have to actually do uh, what we're asking. It, well, you don't have to. You can just sit here too if you want. But it'll be way more fun if you do it. Um, this reality of sin is very easy for us to hold that in arm's length. It's very easy for us to blame Eve. It's very easy for us to blame Adam. It's very easy for us to even blame the serpent. In fact, this is what they do. At the beginning of chapter 3, uh, as they ate the food, as they did uh, the temptation, as they gave in to the temptation, there was all of these blame games going around. Right before our passage, after they had heard God walking in the cool of the garden, after they had hid, after they had tried to get away, we hear these blamings. We hear these excuses. Verse 12, the man says, Well, the woman you put me here, she gave me some of the fruits and I ate it. And so then verse 13, the Lord God says to the woman, What is it you have done? And she says, The serpent deceived me and I ate. It's an age-old philosophy, it's an age-old act to keep pointing the finger at someone else. And maybe, just maybe, what we can do today, maybe what the Holy Spirit is leading me to ask you for, maybe what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do is to stop playing the blame game. You're going to have an opportunity to write your sin on a note card, you're going to have an opportunity to watch that sin go up in flames because of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ taking that sin upon himself. But before any of that, is it a reality for you today to stop blaming? Is it a reality for you to admit? Is it a reality for you to say, yes, this is sin. This thing, this one curse this one idea, this one way that I'm living, whatever it might be, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is asking you to think of in this very moment, is it time to admit? Is it time to stop blaming? Is it time to accept I've wronged the Lord? This is what he set up. This is what he desired for me, and I've gone a different way. Maybe just maybe it's time for you to hear, stop it. Stop trying to keep him at an arm's length. Stop trying to say, if only that other person would do that thing. If only they would step across the divide in our relationship. If only they would stop being the way they are being. If only that addiction didn't come at the wrong time. If only there wasn't so much stress in my life, then I wouldn't have to give in to that addiction. Stop. Stop. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, admit 
that sin. Admit what the Holy Spirit is asking you to admit in this moment. Now here's a whole bunch of other thoughts that we get to chase. Way at the top, uh, you hear or of the outline there, you see this, uh, this word enmity, and you see uh, two stars, and you see these things that uh, God told were cursed. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very, uh, at least something that had to be acknowledged to realize and to notice we didn't get a curse. We weren't cursed. The serpent was cursed. He has enmity between him and the woman and his offspring and her offspring, which enmity is a word we're going to have to chase in a little bit here. And the ground is actually cursed because of Adam, but we didn't get a curse. But we did get something out of this. We did get a a negative out of all of this. Look at that outline and, and see what we got as recompense and see what we got as ripple effects. I keep using this cliche in a bunch of conversations. Hey, um, I realize whatever situation this is, yeah, that absolutely stinks. But at some point we have to admit, hey, we lie in the bed that we make. And so we had it set up this way. And so we don't get out of this thing without bumps, without bruises. What we get out of this situation is number one, pain. We get pain. Both Adam and Eve hear this word. They are going to receive pain. They are going to either have pain in childbirth for Eve or pain in working the ground for Adam. There's a reality to this. There's an understanding that there is pain and suffering in this world. And of course you can say, well, we don't have to be geniuses to figure that out. I can watch the news. I can watch the Twitter feed. I can watch whatever it is, and I can see that there's pain and suffering. But what I want you to really soak in today is I'm not talking about just widespread pain and suffering. I'm not just talking about some pain and suffering for the entire human race. There is pain and suffering that we have to walk through. There's a hierarchy. To Eve, he says, uh, your desire will be for your husband and your husband will rule over you. Think again of this uh, back to the future thing. Think again of the way it was supposed to be. Think again of how God had created. And just in your head, look back in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, especially chapter 2, where he gives the whole outline of the creation of mankind. And remember, he said, for Adam, there was no suitable helper found. And so woman was created out of Adam's rib. So right away, there is a helper kind of sense. There is this feel of being a helper for the womankind, for the woman. And yet, as she is created, as Adam speaks about who she is, out of my flesh you came. And so for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and becomes united into one flesh. Sometimes I'll say this during marriage uh, counseling. I'll say it during a wedding. This one flesh thing is a really big idea. Hold on to that because that's that line. That's that desire that God had started out with. One flesh. With words like helper. With words like uh, leaving and cleaving. With words like being a part of something. That's what God had set up for our relationships. And because of this thing called sin, because of that timeline that we now exist in, we hear this word, your husband will rule over you. And guys, I'm sorry to say, but we're kind of idiots. We hear a word like rule, 
And we start to think, oh, now I get to wear the pants. Now I get to be the one who says the way it goes. I'm the one who gets to set this deal. Whoa, 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 slow down. Because this is after the fall. This is after the preferred future. Instead of the one flesh, now we hear a word like rule. Now we hear a word that gets abused in so many different ways. Please, oh please, don't fall in to the belief that, well, because uh, he said that you're going to rule over, oh, now we get to do the ruling. No, 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 we're going for that perfection up here. We're trying to show the world a little bit more of what God had intended, not after the fall, but before the fall. And you can keep chasing this idea. You can keep going with this analogy, with this understanding, because it's after that fall that even our work got messed up. Remember, he told Adam that you're going to have pain working the ground. You're going to have this by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have thorns. Because of that fall, now there are uphill battles. Now there's toil in this work. Now there's this feeling of working and working and working and not gaining anything and just spinning your wheels. If it wasn't for the fall... Work wouldn't be that way. Work would be so fulfilling. Work would be so beneficial. And now we have this uphill toil because of sin. But here's what I really wanted to start laying on. How long is this going to happen? How long are we going to have to put up with this? How long are we going to have to do this? Without making you sign up for some credit card with a... Uh, fine print that you haven't seen, God instead puts that fine print in bold. He says it very, very clearly to Adam. This is for all your days. This is as long as you live here on this earth. This is as long as you exist outside of heaven. All of your days you will have this pain. All of your days you will have these thorns. All of your days you will have this weird understanding of rule. All of your days you will have sweat of your brow. All of your days will exist in this world of sin. You're living on that down timeline because we exist in this world of sin. I think that's about it. Um, it's communion and... Leave it at that. Sin. You guys live there. Enjoy it. See you later. No. Come on, no. Come on, no. No, I can't just live there without any sense of hope. I can't just leave you there without any sense of hope. I can't just leave you without knowing that there is an ending to that pain. Here's the really cool thing. Even in the pain, God seeks to protect us. Even in the pain, God seeks to do something incredible. Even in the pain, he starts giving little glimpses of what's going to happen. I love Easter eggs, you know that. And so we start to see these little Easter eggs. Wait, wait, wait. The serpent's going to get crushed? Oh, so maybe this isn't going to last forever. Wait, wait, wait. God is still going to protect? So even in their nudity, even in their nakedness, he creates for them garments of skin. And even as they are kicked out of the garden... There is a goodness in his protection there. Think of it this way. As God is giving his reasoning as to why they need to be kicked out of the garden, why do they need to not be there anymore, this isn't because he's so upset. This isn't because he wants to discipline. This is because he wants to make sure that this life of pain and suffering and toil and sweat doesn't go on forever. 
Remember, the other tree was to live forever. The other tree was existence all the time. And what if, oh no, what if we would have existed in this world of sin, in this timeline, forever? What kind of protection, what amazing mercy it is that God gives us an out. How incredible is it that He doesn't make us stay here forever? How incredible is it that He blocks us from being like this all the time? What if He wouldn't have put that flaming sword there? What if He wouldn't have kicked them out of Eden? What if we would have eaten that tree and existed in this pain and suffering forever and ever? Thanks be to God that it doesn't stay like this. Thanks be to God that He offers us that out. Thanks be to God that we start to read between the lines and see that Jesus Christ is even in this story. Even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of so much sweat and toil, He gives little Easter eggs, He gives little hints, He gives little glimpses that it's not going to be like this forever. Thanks be to God that this is just the beginning of the story. You see, we have Genesis and we have this fall and we have Noah coming up and we have Joseph and we have so many things that are going to get added on to. But just like a puzzle that you start to gain one more piece, one more piece, one more piece, suddenly as we look through the rest of our Old Testament, as we look through the rest of our New Testament, we see this puzzle start to come together with more and more pieces, with more and more understanding. Because as we read this story, you don't see the name Jesus specifically, but you start to see glimpses. And then in a few more stories, as we look at Noah, as we look at Joseph, we start to see, oh, there's a hope for a Savior. And then we start to read the prophet Isaiah, and we start to read Daniel, and we start to read about this Savior that is coming, about this person in the line of David, this lion of Judah who might be on his way. And then in the New Testament, we get to experience that. We get to see him and we get to know that it's him. And then Paul gives us an even deeper understanding that this is the one you are waiting for. This is the one who changes that timeline. This is the one who gives you the possibility to go back to perfection when you exist with him. When this life is over, through Jesus Christ, we exist with him. So hold on. Maybe this is the message for you today. Hold on. Yes, you're living in pain and suffering right now. Yes, you look around you and you see toil. Yes, you look around and you see suffering. You look around and you see the realities of sin it won't be like this forever. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior means that this pain and suffering will come to an end and will exist with Him in perfection. Today is the day that we remind ourselves of that. Today is the day when we get to see bread broken when we get to taste a cup, when we get to understand even clearer of how far Jesus went for us. 
But one of the things that Genesis 3 brings up, one of the things that theologically happens in that coming to the table is a time of confession. It's a time of standing in a real sense before God with sins clear to see. Not trying to hide anything from Him. Not trying to look our best for Him. Instead, being open and honest and completely vulnerable with Him. We want to give you an opportunity to do that today through an activity, through a time of confession. We're going to spend time praying. We're going to spend time thinking. We're going to spend time confessing. And in this act, you're going to walk through that open door and there's going to be tables with note cards where you can spend time writing that sin. Maybe for you it's a specific sin. Maybe for you it just needs to be a symbol. Maybe for you it just needs to be a picture. Maybe for you it just needs to be the card itself. You don't even need to write anything. Whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to participate with, pay attention. And here's the symbolism of it. We often say when we celebrate communion, it's not about cleaning up and then coming to the table. It's not about you being perfect on your own strength so that God will allow you into the table. No, no, no. This is about me bringing all of my junk to the table and him taking it upon himself. This is about me being open and honest. This is about you being vulnerable with him and him seeing all of the junk that you're in right now, all of the junk that you exist with. And then it's him saying, I love you. So what we're going to do is do the confession thing first, write those things down, take those cards, hold that in your hand as you take communion, as you realize that Jesus Christ died for you, as you realize that he is in love with you, you'll take communion holding that sin. And then, in celebration of what he has done, with an understanding that he has gone the distance for you, with an understanding that he stayed on that cross with your sins, then you dump that sin into a burning fire and you watch it go up in smoke. And then we come back and then we rejoice. Because we are different after that. We are different because we don't have to carry that card around. We are different because day by day his mercies are new. We are different because we can live new lives according to the Holy Spirit. So take part however you can. Listen to the tap of the shoulder by the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, you're the one who takes our sin. You're the one who does what we cannot do. You're the one who is perfection. We messed it up. We 
took your perfect creation, we took what you said was good and what Eve did, we all have done, we all do, we think our plan is better. We think, oh, I got this. God, we are sorry. We are sinful. We are trying to be honest with you in this moment and say, please, I need a Savior. So God, I ask that you be what you have been in the past. I ask that you continue to be what you are. I ask that you be the one who takes our sin. I ask that you be the one who gives us a new life. I ask that you be our strength and that you be our song. God, in your holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen.